Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? All right, welcome on back to another edition of the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. It is Monday night, January 24th, 2022, live from the JBS. My name is Jake Luke, and I'm joined on my screen by uh, Spencer Nathaniel Schultz. How's it going, bud? Going quite well. Got a sleepy day in today. Very lazy. Nice little workout in after uh, an incredible weekend of NFL football that had uh, had the crowd jumping from left to right. And I'm excited. I'm excited for conference championships next week. We've got some some pretty thick content coming through. There's a lot of big old squigglies with a dot under them. A lot of question marks coming out of Owings Mills right now. And I think we're going to continue to see some, maybe some more uh, out of left field kind of situations go on. So uh, a little bit of hindsight on Wink and some Antonio Brown comments and lots of good stuff. So I'm I'm feeling good. How are you feeling? Feeling pretty good. Uh, had a interesting day today. A lot of manual labor, but we don't have to get into that. Um, but yeah, it was uh, probably the best weekend of football we've maybe ever had. Um, so yeah, that was pretty great. But it got kicked off uh, in a little bit of a weird, weird way for Ravens fans. Um, I don't know what prompted me to do this. I do this every now and again, and it kind of feels like a, a cheat code for doing something. Drove out to Towson, uh, popped into World of Beer for a quick round. It's a little, I don't even remember what I was. Very underrated place. Yeah. And then I uh, went to go see a movie solo and uh very, you know, very nice kind of, nice kind of move to get you out of the house and get you doing something. Um, so yeah, I was just kind of enjoying a nice quiet evening to myself after, uh, after a week at work. And uh, I sit down to uh, enjoy said beer before I go into the movie and uh, on my timeline, you, you see, you know, you, you don't really always want to see this, the statement from the Baltimore Ravens, and they got, like, the graphic. Friday night, baby. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, oh, okay, what is this? And I see uh, I see the words Wink Martindale, and uh, you just immediately know. And, uh, yep, I knew that Don Wink Martindale out after four seasons as uh, the Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator. Um, it's pretty stunning news. Ultimately, I think uh, there had been such an insane groundswell uh, surrounding the other side of the ball and Greg Roman. And uh, it seemed like a lot of people were really highly anticipating that happen happening and maybe losing their shit if they didn't. 
Not only did it not happen, and it's probably not going to uh, if we had to wager, um, but the guy on the other side of the ball who had way much more or a lot more, uh, I would say, equity built up probably uh, was let go due to... Especially among the fan base. Yeah, exactly. And uh, this is kind of who I'm talking about, I guess, at this point. And um, let go after, uh, you know, four strong seasons and uh, apparently due to, quote, philosophical differences you had albert breer uh, who i think is at sports illustrated at this point um kind of putting providing some additional context saying that he was in uh, his contract year um so there was kind of some disagreements about how to move forward and uh, it sounded like after quote several productive conversations between him and john harbaugh that the decision was ultimately made that they were going to sort of mutually go their separate ways you know these things are always reported that way so who knows exactly what happened, but I think the the contract year thing probably does have some bearing in it. And um, yeah, it's just kind of stunning news, but uh, yeah, I, I, I you, you, this is the first time we're sitting down and talk about it really like after, you know, three or four days, whatever it's been. And uh, it's still kind of hard for me to fully process. Yeah. There have been some rumblings and, you know, can always be the grapevine whispering sweet lies, but just kind of some rumblings that the Ravens, John Harbaugh, the front office weren't terribly happy kind of with the defense this season in general. Um, felt like there was, you know, maybe a little bit of a lack of accountability or a lack of leadership or something of the sort. They kind of just had a weird experience, age kind of leadership factor. Maybe it felt like a little bit, you know, Calais Campbell felt like the de facto leader in year two, you know, up there in age, um, hasn't been there a long time. Obviously, a great guy and everything, but it's kind of like him and Pernell McPhee and, you know, Marlon Humphrey's kind of not really that guy necessarily. Uh, a lot of young players, a lot of o- over the hill. Well, not over the hill, but older players, you know, third, fourth contract guys, Brandon Williams. Derek Wolf isn't there all year. Um, you know, Chuck Clark, I guess, is, a, is definitely a huge defensive leader. So I, f- I feel like they're happy with him generally. And he had a nice year, but. Yeah, we got Deuce ten forty two in the comments. That's what I was right about to get to. You know, um, there there were some reasons, and, Mar- and Marcus Peters went down, and things of that nature. But Baltimore Ravens franchise doesn't give up big plays. Like that is not something that we have ever seen, save maybe you know two really bad losing seasons when Ravens go five and eleven and what seven and nine, six and ten, whatever it was. When no, it was five eleven and twice when Billick got fired. What was their record uh, five and eleven. Five and eleven. So, save for those years, you know, they they really just haven't been a franchise that gives up these big plays. And the defense wasn't terribly injured. I mean, no Derek Wolf, sure, nice player, you know, starter role player, heavy role player, heavy rotation guy. Marcus Peters, a great cornerback. Um, and it was all those blown assignments. And every week they were letting up bombs and screens that went fifty yards and all those sorts of things. So, it also kind of felt like it came to a crux of. The Ravens had a really, and, and sure, you can say this about the other side of the ball, and I I don't know. We can get into that in a different time, but you know, they were so innovative with the blitz packages and the pressures and the cover zero, which I do think, I'll say for the millionth time, you know, it's not as often as you think it is. But interestingly enough, as the playoffs have gone on, we've seen some cover zero kind of get exploited in the playoffs for sure. Um, I definitely can buy into the narrative that veteran, talented quarterbacks have seen it and have answers for it. And, uh, you know, when you, especially when you don't have Marcus Peters and you don't have Marlon Humphrey, um, you know, I, I know you want to run your scheme, but um, 
even when they had, you know, Marlon Humphrey, it, it just wasn't working out. And it felt like they kept going back to that well, and that's who they are philosophically. And then you go look at a team like the Titans or maybe what Dave Aranda does at Baylor that, that the Ravens have a lot of roots in with more kind of permeable coverages, being able to run middle of the field open, cover one, cover three, uh, middle of the field closed, or excuse me, middle of the field closed, cover one, cover three, middle of the field open, cover two, cover four, cover six, you know, all these different things. Being able to have, you know, a slew of balanced coverage and then run some sim pressure where you're sending four at times, you're sending five, you know, to a lesser extent, but you're you're dedicating more resources to, to being dropping back in coverage and, and able to do some things. And it feels like they had this really innovative thing going on first couple of years of Wink and it kind of fell apart a little bit and some injuries hindered it and um, weren't able to execute. They went with a ton of mugged pressures this year, lining up linebackers and box safeties. A lot of times it was like Chris Board and Brandon Stevens. It was like a month long stretch where it was Chris Board and Brandon Stevens mugging the A-gap, standing up over it. And um, it felt like it was you know two kind of inexperienced guys that you can kind of tell if they're coming or going a little bit pre-snap. It's it's not hard to see where their weight is on their foot or things like that. But Wink Martindale was a great coordinator for the Ravens for three years. You know, one of the best in the NFL. I think he'll get work elsewhere. But um, in terms of being a player's coach versus being someone who's going to be really – trying to think of the right word. I don't want to say a disciplinarian, but I want to say someone who – and I don't want to say a lack of detail, but – uh, kind of raising a younger bunch. It feels like they're going to move on from Jimmy Smith, probably, Pernell McPhee, Brandon Williams. We'll see what happens. Maybe he comes back for cheap, but it's a, it's a paradigm shift where you had, you know, Terrell Suggs, you know, a lot of these older players, you know, Weddle, Tony Jefferson's a veteran, you know, Jimmy Smith when he was more relevant a couple years ago. And then now it's this point where you probably, it's time to get a little blood transfusion going and get some younger guys on that side of the ball and some new faces and develop a new identity defensively, possibly. Um, everybody debates like 4-3-3-4. NFL's, everybody's a nickel team now, for the most part, other than like the Seahawks. So being able to be a little bit more balanced and also having a, a different kind of culture, a different paradigm shift, as you're likely going to bring some fresh blood in, I think is going to be uh, something that could potentially be good at the same time, you know, I don't think Wake Martindale was was the worst by any means. I think he had a great run. This year was really bad with blown coverages and big plays allowed. I mean, big runs allowed at times early in the year, a couple times. You know, Dalvin Dalvin Cook, pardon me, in a couple situations. But now we we will see what direction they want to go in. They have conducted an interview or requested an interview with the Cowboys defensive backs coach, who's been around the league a little bit, and um, you know. It's just interesting. I think it spurns a lot of questions that we're not going to be able to even investigate to try to come to a hypothesis about until we see who it is because the Ravens have built back to front for so long, investing in corners, investing in safeties, You know, Earl Thomas, Chuck Clark, Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, Tavon Young, paid. All those guys are paid. And as opposed to that, they you know let Judon go, let Zedaria Smith go. Trade for Yannick Ngakwe, he goes. You know, they bring in Justin Houston, who, who was great value signing, whatever. They re retain Tyus Bowser on a nice contract and draft Adafi away. So they're not dedicating a lot of their cap space to, to that front seven. Clay's Campbell was a pretty big investment, actually, to be honest, or a pretty big spend, uh, especially considering his age. But it has come to the point where, yeah, I, I mean, philosophical differences, they, they cite. It sounds like maybe Wink, you know, had full autonomy for a long time, and, and that's his side of the ball. And Harbaugh, you know, is involved, 
and probably, you know, uh, when, you know, not making necessarily personnel decisions or, or these overarching decisions, but probably wanted to be more involved. And maybe Wink said, I don't, you know, want that. And they were like, all right, let's agree to disagree, brother. Uh, they've coached together for a long time. I think they're probably fine. Maybe they, maybe it got a little heated. Who knows? We'll never know. Maybe there'll be a story that comes out in a while, but they ultimately go different ways. So, uh, you know, I think there were some rumblings about that a lot. There was definitely fans and, and people that were knocking it. And uh, the interesting part that I forgot to mention was that, you know, we see Quandre Diggs continuously saying, you know, cover zero is not the call anymore. It's a once, once in a while call. You hear Matt Judon echo that saying, you know, you want that to be a once in every couple months kind of call where you catch someone off guard, um, things of that nature. And I don't, the Ravens ran, I think cover zero 30 times this year. So like, you know, two a game, maybe three, sometimes one, sometimes four, maybe. So it's not that that was, you know, always the case, but a couple key moments there. You think of that Chicago bears game and some things like that. So uh, I'm excited to maybe see them shift to a defense that's more multiple and, I guess not multiple necessarily, but a defense that's more balanced overall in terms of coverage and skill sets and and things on the back end and dedicating more bodies and coverage. So we'll see. I think fans have really wanted to see a four-man rush that works for a long time. And it's difficult when you never really get a chance to, you know, draft a Nick Bosa or a, you know, premier pass rusher or something of the sort. But here we are. So it's going to be interesting to, to see. We have Ben Rose in the comments here. I want to see a Swarming front four like Tennessee or Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is a five-man front, but they don't usually dedicate more than five. Um, they they kind of let the front four, front five be that. So it's it's going to be interesting to see. I, I think we'll see a, a different scheme for the first time in a while. And again, I think there's going to be someone who's a little bit more hungry and younger maybe than Wink uh, in a way. Not that he's not a hungry guy or you know anything like that, but I think we're going to see a, a little bit of a change up from what we've seen in Dean Pease and Wink Martindale and, and some of these, you know, older heads that are the wise men. I think we might see a little, little fresh blood, so to speak. Yeah, I think, um, I think that's probably a good way of putting it. And I think personally, that's probably where my preference would be. I think the guy that you mentioned there was Joe Witt with the Cowboys right now. I don't really know yeah. too much about him. Um, but yeah, he's obviously the one guy that they've uh, publicly kind of interviewed or requested an interview thus far. So yeah, we'll certainly see what happens with it. I, you know, it seems like a lot of people are sort of bandying about what they expect to happen and are looking back at Harbaugh's track record of hiring from within. And I think that's usually a pretty sound practice. That's how they got to Wink Martindale, who, if you'll remember, was not an exceptionally popular hire, uh, I don't think. I mean, just sort of anecdotally, I think I remember a lot of people, you know, maybe we're looking at more of like a Chuck Pagano or maybe even a Vic Fangio at the time. Um, I, I don't know if that lined up exactly timeline wise, but it might've been somebody like that. Um, so they weren't too jazzed about the idea that out goes Dean Pease and comes this kind of older linebackers coach who, you know, he's been in the building for a while and he's not this super flashy hire. Well, it turns out, I mean, he, he wound up being as flashy a hire as you can imagine with the way that, uh, he liked to blitz as much that he, as he did with as much kind of swagger as he brought to the position. Um, as cool of a guy as he ultimately is, I, I have a lot of, Love and respect for Wink, and I, th- I think he gave us a lot of really good memories here. So definitely it is a, a bon voyage to him, and I, I expect he's going to be coaching in some capacity at a high level, whether it's college head coaching position or something in the NFL. Um, defensive coordinator, interestingly enough, Keith Butler, actually out in Pittsburgh is the D.C. He's retiring, so some people throwing it out there, how funny it would be if Wink wound up going there. I don't know if I necessarily see that happening, but I think the world is going to kind of be his oyster in some ways, and uh, 
Yeah, as for the candidates, I mean, Hewitt, we Anthony Weaver, like some of these guys on the staff, I think are definitely going to be uh, attractive options. I really like the idea of Weaver, and it almost kind of makes me think, like, if they're making this decision now, maybe after they kind of quartered him away from Houston and brought him here, it, you know, it seems like maybe they could have potentially had him in the plans to take over. There are some other, you know, outside options. Brian Flores is still in the market. I speculated about that a little bit as with um, as with uh, Jim Leonard at Wisconsin, but those are two pretty kind of pipe dreamy options, I think, for me. Because um, I feel like Flores, even if he were to take this job, it would probably be maybe a one-year kind of rebuild the stock. I, I'd expect the Ravens' defense is going to be a lot better just kind of by the law of average, and that would make him look good. Maybe he goes and gets another head coaching job after one year, so maybe you don't want to do that. I think Leonard is probably another guy who's going to be, you know, head coaching op- uh, material at some point soon. So it's a uh, it's an interesting spot they're in, man. And I feel like I feel like anyone they hire is going to, you know, unless it is for you know maybe another wink type. Unfortunately for them, um, I feel like anyone they hire is going to have head coach potential because you're in a, a highly respected building on a coaching staff like this, and um, there, there's a lot of impressive names out there and like i said i think they're going to be due for a rebound just kind of by default so um i hope they have a long-term plan uh, i would suspect they probably wouldn't make this move if they didn't uh it's not like you really need to worry about like compensation with coaching contracts and stuff like that and all the comp picks and all that stuff doesn't really work the same way so it's interesting that that kind of seemed to to play a part and uh personally i kind of probably am hoping for a little bit of a philosophical change because as much as I love Wink and like the, you know, rambling, gambling mentality and we're going to blitz all the time and F that, we've had some people bringing up uh, the Chicago game in the chat and, uh, you know, the cover, I don't even know like what the, the coverage was on the, the Marquise Goodwin play, but people bringing that up and how Wink just sort of, you know, he, he they wind up winning the game. So he walks out of it and he kind of just shrugs his shoulders and says, oh, well, that, that was the call. I believe in my guys and that's that you know, maybe that does sort of rub you the wrong way a little bit if you're Harbaugh and you're like, all right, dude, well, we, we're, you know, starting Chris Westry at outside corner and we're, you know, down to nothing at safety. It's kind of a tough call to just kind of throw your hands up and say, oh, well, you know, that's just what I wanted to do and we did it and uh, it didn't work, but whatever, we got the win. Uh, maybe a little bit more accountability um, is going to be emphasized. Maybe a little bit more discipline is going to be emphasized. Um, I'll be interested to see what happens. My prediction, uh, just straight up, I think it's going to be Anthony Weaver. But we'll see. Anthony Weaver is really funny to me because Anthony Weaver was the defensive coordinator for a, a really bad, you know, Houston Texans defense. Wink Martindale, the last time he was a defensive coordinator, was a really bad, you know, on a, the defensive coordinator of a really bad Denver Broncos defense. I think both of them finished 32nd in like 30th or worse in like yards and points allowed. You hear, have Weaver come back here, you hear JJ Watt give some really glowing remarks of him. And again, he has that kind of celebrity about him. He is a former NFL player. He's a really big, in shape, glowing. I I like to compare him to like Dwayne The Rock Johnson, kind of like when you're at practice and you see him and you hear him and the way that he has this big beaming smile and this loud voice, um, you can kind of hear the effect of him and, and see the way that he would instill some leadership. And he's a little bit of a younger guy and more relatable in some ways to players, even though Wink is is always lauded as being a really players first coach um, and in many ways, you know, uh, speaking of the Steelers, you know, I, I think their, their internal option is probably Terrell Austin, who is their senior defensive assistant and their secondary coach has been a long time assistant there. Um, so I think those two guys for those two jobs, other than that, you know, Jim Leonard, you mentioned, we'll see from, from what I've heard. And this is again, just kind of speculative 
BS, but from what I've heard, he's really happy being in Madison. Uh, his family is kind of settled there and, and he's happy in his role for now. Um, you know, John Harbaugh has that connection, obviously, and, and you'd love to see them have, have a conversation at least, hopefully. Um, other than that, you know, Gerard Mayo, Patriots inside linebackers coach, who head coaching is you know interviewing for head coaching gigs right now. So uh, there's another intriguing one. If he is looking to make that kind of upward move and isn't able to grab one, I think that's a really intriguing name right now That's that's got a ton of buzz. So, um, so some names to watch out for. But I don't know. Har- Harbaugh hires. They they just never kind of make you know they never you never expect where they're coming from. Otherwise, internally we've mentioned there's Chris Hewitt, there's um, Drew Wilkins. You know there's there's rumblings about Jim Harbaugh who stole Mike McDonald, who uh, Vaz, who I've I did video did video did a video with Coach Vaz on Twitter. Has has done some really incredible stuff and a former coach himself and a consultant for some FBS teams and stuff. Um, talks about Mike McDonald like he is Dave Aranda level defensive genius. And um, there's rumblings kind of, you know, what happens if Jim Harbaugh leaves, what goes there? I would assume Jim Harbaugh's probably going to try to take him with him uh, would be the case. So I think that might be a little bit of a tough steal. But overall, yeah, I mean, I, I love Wink's defense and, and many things that he's done. You go back and everybody wants to talk playoff games all the time. You know, Chargers game, the Ravens time and time again put them in a really bad spot. And they held strong. I mean, you know, the Ravens were fumbling the ball inside their own red zone and giving the Chargers the ball in great territory, held strong, you know, able to allow the Ravens to come back and nearly win that game. Then you go look at the Titans game, kind of got blown up a little bit, weren't able to stop Henry, weren't able to stop the play actions. That one definitely was just kind of total failure, both sides of the ball, full team. And that Bills game, I mean, didn't, you know, allowed one offensive touchdown. They allowed two offensive touchdowns in two games. The pick six obviously weighed heavily there. The Bills had one scoring drive. The Titans had one scoring drive, held them to some field goals and some missed field goals. So um, kind of got it done in the playoffs a little bit. You know, we'll, we'll see. This is this just really isn't an easy move to be like, yeah, like it, it just feels like it's a it's a shade of gray type thing. We're like, ah, there were positives to Wink's defense. Many, you know, they finished really strongly several times. You can also see the need for a fresh, fresh breath of air, perhaps. Uh, amidst kind of where the Ravens personnel-wise are and, and culturally might need someone that's a little bit more on top of guys or something of the sort. But I don't know. It's it's tough. Uh, it's hard to feel really good about it. It's hard to feel really bad about it. And I, I think that we've had some really great moments with Don Wink Martindale as the Ravens defensive coordinator, some, some real memories. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I think that the NFL is just trending towards that too high, versatile, coverage defense and these quarterbacks are just annihilating the blitz now and that's what wink's forte was that's why the ravens were so strong 2018 2019 um you know maybe they're a little bit more star-studded personnel wise but there's definitely some contrarian takes that you know he had the most expensive defense in the nfl for three years in a row and they were good and you know you see guys kind of go down a little bit they don't quite have that this year and they weren't great so Again, I'll say it for the we'll talk about Greg Roman time and time again, as everyone does, but coordinators just don't tend to last more than three, four years on an NFL team. Um, especially, you know, if the head coach is feeling a little heat or feeling a little frustrated after a tough year, which which is kind of just the strange part of all of this. And I guess I like them trying to be forward thinking and what's the long-term plan, but it just really feels like it's such a rough year. 
terms of injuries and stuff. But again, you know, the defensive side of the ball was fine for the first half of the season and wasn't very good. So just a really loaded situation that's that's kind of hard to digest and we'll see how it, tri- it plays out ultimately. Yeah, and it's uh, it's weird, man, because we, you know, we had friend of the program, uh, Barstool Banks, a, a guy who's connected in the building. Uh, he wrote his blog about it and at the end, you know, he, he had a little a piece in there that picked up a lot of traction across the social media is about how there's maybe more stuff going on and at play here than, uh, than we might think he used the comment stuff that might make your head spin. And that's a direct quote. So I, I talked to him a little bit about it. I didn't like pressure him, him into telling me, and I didn't really get much of a clear picture of what he was talking about. And I frankly probably don't want to know because he also alluded to the fact that, you know, if the scales tilt back and they're successful again, we'll probably never hear about it all. But I don't know, man. It's it's just certainly kind of a weird, ominous sort of way to kick off the offseason a little bit. But uh, it also, to the point we've been making here, it's a, it's a new beginning at at least one of the coordinator spots. And maybe not the one we were expecting or wanted, but at least they got their eyes on the future here a little bit. You know, we've been talking about this whole idea of them, you know, continually trying to run things back. Maybe it is time to turn the engine over a little bit. And uh, if this is a way to way to do that or get that started off. And maybe I'm not going to be totally opposed to it. I'd be curious to see what the plan is for the rest of the off season and moving forward. I'm curious about Lamar Jackson's con- contract situation, but to kick it off this way, it does at least tell us that, you know, they're serious about change uh, when things aren't going well and uh, things did not go well for this defense this year. And there's going to be change. So. Certainly. And, you know, both sides of the ball, hindsight second half of the year you know they probably are really they're probably more frustrated about not making the postseason than any individual fan is and especially because they had so many opportunities to win games late in the year and they couldn't buy a stop they couldn't get a stop the other teams never blinked they kept blinking over and over and it was both sides of the ball ultimately but their defense couldn't get a stop at the end of the year and you know they were missing guys you have robert jackson covering Devonta adams and stuff but I guess that frustration kind of just boiled over into needing change. So I don't know. We'll, we'll hear about it eventually. Maybe, maybe, I, I don't know. It's just so much to read into it. And I just would love to be a fly on the wall to the situation of what that conversation with Wig Martindale was. Fun fact, I used to work at Tark's Grill in Greenspring Station and very close to Owings Mills area. And I was working one, I think like a weekday, like a, a early weekday evening. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, something like that. And all of a sudden, one of the other servers was like, John Harbaugh is here. And he was with Ravens legend, offensive coordinator Mark Tressman. And they went into a back room and had a conversation. I think they got like appetizers and waters and sat in there for like two and a half hours. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I can't hear what they're talking about. And a couple of days later, they parted ways. So... Uh, I would love to, I didn't get to hear that conversation. I would love to hear Winks, you know, who obviously had a more successful tenure than Mark Trashman. Ravens fans love Mark Trashman, bring back Mark Trashman. But um, just those conversations have to be something. It's the way, the way I'm reading it is they started off, you know, things boiled over. They, you know, kind of let it all fly. They let it all out. And then another conversation, everything's kind of on the table. Things have calmed down. Then maybe one more conversation. Hey, you know what? I respect you, but let's maybe let's maybe bring this thing to an end before we uh, lose any more respect for one another. And uh, that's that's sort of the way I read it. That's total speculation. I don't know, but that's the way I would picture it going down between these two guys who are two alphas. Uh, prospects, prospects, Providence. You had highlighted there, but then why hasn't the frustration 
gone into the offense yet. Um, yeah, I don't know, but like the offense to our point, like they looked really good at times this year, and then like the injuries happened and the wheels fell apart. Like the defense kind of just, I don't know, man. Like they, they just kind of underperformed this year. I feel like completely um, as opposed to the offense, who they they certainly had their down moments, but they also had some really great moments. It just felt like the defense got off to a weird start and just never got on track this year. I just, there's many things we can say about the offense versus the defense, but offensively let's, let's go through the season, man. I mean, just week by week and and in a quick blurb Vegas, the Ravens drive down the field and kick a go ahead field goal defense, 30, 35 seconds. Can't make a stop goes to overtime and then cover zero. They lose Kansas city. Pick six, you know, defense had a nice, you know, kind of second half there, you know, let up, let up some points, couldn't tackle all game, tackling issues all year, um, especially early in the year. No one can. And Adolphe away kind of bailed their asses out with a, just a little punch. You know, that that wasn't like some great defense that was played. The, the Chiefs just needed like three more years. Like the Chiefs were trying to run the clock need, they out. They didn't even need that many yards with, with Butker. They probably could have, you know. <laughs> just kicked it. Yeah, like. It was a it was a beautiful night early in September or mid September and they probably could have just kicked it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So you know that one, the defense buckled down in the second half, got off the field a couple times. Anthony Abram made a couple plays, whatever. Uh, Detroit, you know, offensively, Hollywood Brown prevented that from being a blowout with whatever the hell was up with him that game. And then defensively, they couldn't get off the field in the fourth quarter, uh, allow the Lions to walk down the field a couple times and take the lead. Denver, great performance. Indianapolis, you know, Jonathan Taylor goes 80 yards. Michael Pittman has a 55-yard touchdown. Um, they buckled down. You know, Lamar Jackson goes Super Saiyan. They walk out of there. They absolutely smothered Los Angeles on both sides of the ball. Cincinnati, they couldn't tackle, couldn't get off the field, couldn't stop the run late in the game. Since, since he put up, what, 28 points in the second half, I think, come out of a bye week. Down 17, 17 to three, uh, first half against Minnesota, and Minnesota scored a couple more times in in the second half, and uh, the Ravens were able to get a stop in overtime. Lamar Jackson puts that one away. Miami defense played admirably offensively; they struggled against pressure. Chicago, the defense played really well, save one fourth down touchdown from you know Andy Dalton coming Which, as in we to alluded throw to, Marcus. kind of that that one play kind of did fall on Wink a little bit, maybe. Yeah, and at the same time, you know, I I see. I see the plan there. I saw the plan there. Chris Westry, six four corner. You know, you you wanted, you trusted him there. Um, he gets beat at the stem, and a lot of times, you know, you want to stick to your guns. Westry was brought in to play in this scheme, play in this system, and Andy Dalton. It just had this mythological factor to him in that game, where it, it just was a curveball and it was tough. Uh, but yeah, they they run that. They get burned. Tyler Huntley bails them out. Uh, you know, a defender falls down covering Sammy Watkins and allows them to go punch a touchdown in. Then the rest of the season, I mean, from there, you know, Cleveland, their offense was out of control bad. Lamar turns the ball over four times, you know, plays well there. Pittsburgh, weird offense. Cleveland rained hellfire on the Ravens when they were shorthanded um, a little bit. Green Bay, you know, got a couple stops late in the game, but they ultimately put up 31 points. Cincy, you're very shorthanded. You get drummed. Had a really nice game against LA. Can't get off the field. And Pittsburgh, what I don't even know what to say about that game. It was 16-13 overtime loss. That's that's the only only words I can form and postulate about that. 
So I don't know, man. Tackling was an issue this year. Leadership felt like it was an issue a little bit this year. Uh, I felt like Harbaugh's probably wanted more say, and Wick Martindale didn't want to deal with that. So I don't know. That's that's my hunch, I guess, to put words in their mouths. But Ben Rose says Ken McCusick suggested Rob Ryden hasn't been great as the linebacker coach. I don't. I mean, sure, you can say that, but I don't know. He had one year here. It was maybe a weird hire, uh, like a buddy buddy hire, more so than like a let's actually put the pedal to the floor hire. But we'll never really know the truth about that. I guess. I mean, I watched some practices. Seemed like they were doing drills that were conducive to linebackers having success, common stuff. And uh, I don't know. Queen Queen got it together a little bit. Josh Bynes is good. Saw Chris, Christian Welch come in, played well. Chris Board played well, I thought, in coverage and on third down. But a little bit weird. But, yeah, I mean, there's other stuff, you know, getting back to forcing turnovers, you know, sacks, all this stuff. I mean, we've seen it. There's Those things are just volatile a lot of the time. Can you can you draw it up better? Sure. But I don't know, man. Yeah, yeah I, I, I really didn't think this was going to happen, to be honest. I thought this surprised me because I thought that they had so much turnover on the defensive side of the ball with their coaching staff, with Mike McDonald and – all those assistant coaches leaving Joe Cullen as well. Joe Cullen takes Zach Orr, uh, takes a couple guys. Mike McDonald takes a couple guys. So I, I thought that they were going to need some stability there. And I guess with all those guys gone, why not just turn it over all the way? I guess is what they thought. So this one definitely was not what I uh, anticipated happening. Yeah, no, it's, it's a weird one for sure. But um, like I said, it's, it's a fresh start. So I guess is that all we got on that. Yeah, I think that's all we got on that. So that led into an interesting weekend of football. Uh, maybe one of the most interesting weekends of football I've ever seen. Uh, divisional round was uh, it was exceptional. Uh, you started off on Saturday with um, Cincy at Titans. So I had a I had a rooting interest in the Titans because I'm just so tired of this whole Cincy thing, and I just wanted to end. And I'm sure it's not going to because that's what I want. And uh, that was an exciting game. It wasn't, you know, super like high flying offensively, but a lot of interesting aspects to it with the Titans returning Derrick Henry and just kind of leaning on him, maybe against their better judgment a little bit. Uh, you had Burrow uh, just getting absolutely torched by the Titans defensive front. Jeffrey Simmons was just having his way with that offensive line. And uh, since he, I think Burrow got sacked over 10 times, um, just an utterly just bizarre game the way it all played out the titans really could have and probably should have won it but for the second year in a row their season ends on a ryan Tannehill interception in a home playoff game uh i i'm not sure what the other one was the year before that uh so that's that's kind of weird but yeah so you had Tannehill throw the pick uh evan uh, money mcpherson saying i guess we're going to the afc championship game when he's warming up to go kick he kicks the 50 plus yarder uh and they are advancing to the AFC Championship game, Cincy. So really excited to hear all the Cincy talk. It's been great. Uh, I, I'm well aware that the Ravens have a lot of work to do, uh, guys. We, we all get it. Uh, but the, the Bengals advance yet another week. So they, they've been, uh, you know, for as annoying as, you know, it can be, you know, they're, they're fun to watch. And Joe Burrow, give him a lot of credit for bouncing back after, uh, after taking some tough sacks in that game. He's got to be better with that. Uh, game after that, um, Packers 49ers. This is not what you would call an instant classic or anything like that, but it was just kind of a cool game. And I think a cool sort of uh, dueling dichotomy as far as like philosophical styles versus like who the, what the Packers really should be like the Packers are, you know, they play in this frozen tundra 
And uh, it's supposed to be this great home field advantage for them, but the 49ers are this kind of ruggedized running team. They feel much better suited to uh, that environment, and they go in there and they prove it uh, with Shanny dialing up a, a big balls kind of run call with Debo Samuel there on third and seven to get them in a field goal range. Robbie, as good as gold, gold, uh, kicks that home for you know another game-winning kick. That was a fun one. Then the Rams-Buccaneers was the next one, and that was as weird of a game as I think I've watched in a long time. And it went beyond like just the, the Tom Brady comeback magic stuff. It was 27 to three, I think going into half as opposed to 28 to three. So you kind of knew there was maybe going to be a little bit of a surge, but it felt like, and I, there were some, there were a couple people on Twitter making this a uh, comparison that it felt like for the Rams, it was like one of those games of Madden where like, no matter how well you're doing, the computer just decides, yeah, like, fuck you, you're not going to win this game. And it's just like, does literally everything in its power to keep you from doing that. So the Rams, it looked like they were going to choke that away after having such a substantial lead, but Stafford gets four the ball fumbles back. lost. Yeah, exactly. Like Cam Akers with the fumble um, that leads to a playoff Lenny touchdown to tie it up. Stafford gets the ball back. Uh, I think he, he gets sacked and almost fumbles on the very first uh, very first play of the series. Steps up, uh, big balls throw to Cooper Cup down the left sideline uh, to move him up uh, close to Buck territory. Then steps up and just uncorks an absolute rainbow, one of the best throws I've seen, considering the circumstances, maybe ever. It gets drilled by Nadamakan Sue. Uh, apparently, a couple Buccaneers on defense didn't even know the call, so that's why Cooper Cup was able to just get in behind them. They're definitely late, getting to the line, getting he, set. Yeah, exactly. So Cooper Cup makes the catch. They get down there, spike it, another game-winning field goal. And then uh, the PA stay resistance, which uh, I had a little bit of a dummy. Uh, I was really harping on the fact that I felt like that was such a huge letdown spot and uh, it could not have been anything further than that. Was that the best NFL game you've ever seen? It was up there, especially in recent history. I mean, 28 to three was really crazy. Um, Seahawks, Patriots, Malcolm Butler interception was crazy. Um, some Super Bowl, aside from Super Bowl, the last couple of years, that was probably the best playoff game um, of the of the last couple of years, I'd say, especially in terms of just how electric they got. Tyron Matthew goes down early, and Jordan Poyer. I mean, the the, the, the Tyree Kill touchdown in that game. There is just he, he reminds me of like when Muggsy Bogues goes to the Monstars in Space Jam, just moving at a different speed and quickness than anyone else. You see the running back skills. Was a electric running back in college and. The punt return that he had, I, I just <laughs> Jordan Poyer is an all-pro, highly paid, highly respected, consistent, technically sound, athletic safety, and Tyreek Hill roadrunnered him like it was nothing in the open field. Throws up the deuces and it, it just what the hell, man? I mean, Gabe Davis, who won me some money in a best ball tournament thank god but gabe davis turning into like justin jefferson basically with that kind of out and up um has he outside and then darts all the way through so that game is unbelievable yeah for sure um unfortunate that it's kind of turned into like oh well bill's got screwed yeah, it was an exactly your point it's the best yeah here comes the overtime rules debate it's not even the debate it's just like that was an incredible game, and we're not talking about it like just, wow, that was an incredible game. It's like something had to be wrong with it. We're nitpicking it to death and reactionary to the overtime stuff, and ultimately it was incredible. 13 seconds left, 
And I think the the people talk about squibbing the ball, whatever, sure. But Romo really hit the nail on the head with the color there talking about how, why are you rushing four defenders? He's not going to let a fourth defender impact the rush. Rush two instead of rushing four. And then you hear Travis Kelsey after the, the game. I do that in Madden all the time. I peel off my my th- my three-man rush and I peel exactly. it off and just run him up. Like, it, you know, it doesn't affect it at all. Exactly. Get him to hold the ball. Um, drop 11 in coverage. Like, it doesn't matter what he does. Running around back there, you want to take as much time as possible. So that I think that is what lost the game a little bit. But <laughs> the Chiefs were just undeniable. There was nothing you can do. The, the trio of Mahomes, Kelsey, and Hill is the best ever. I mean... It's the best ever. The, the the best of their generation, at least. It is unbelievable. You get Matt Milano in coverage on Travis Kelsey in overtime. How do you think that's going to end? Um, I, I get it. A lot, I think a lot of people were really disappointed because they wanted to see like a Rams-Chiefs 60-55 to 55 kind of game and watch there be 15 consecutive touchdowns. But the 25 minutes or like 35 minutes of real time that we got at the end of that game in the fourth quarter and through overtime was the most entertaining football can be like it doesn't get better than that. So it was unbelievable to watch. I enjoyed myself very much. That was an instant classic. And ultimately whatever the overtime rules are, if you want to change them, there's going to be a disadvantage to one of the two teams. There's no perfect overtime. So can you strive to make it better? Absolutely. But let's appreciate that game for how freaking incredible it was because like that was, that was like, that was that felt like the Super Bowl to be honest. Like that was incredible, and those probably are the two best teams, maybe the Rams, but probably the two best teams there, and uh, or in this tournament. And I don't, we didn't even deserve that as a as a society. I don't think that was that was that was a football utopia. I mean, some of the plays that they were making, like the Mahomes with like the shortstop shit, and I, you know, I get a little aggravated with some of the cute stuff that they run the Chiefs, but you know, they they were kind of having fun out there, and I mean, like it's just like. The stuff that Mahomes was physically able to do, like he was running all over the place in the first half. Like that was as fun to watch because like high in rushing yards. Yeah, we've talked about how he's probably the best scrambling quarterback in the league. And like people take umbrage to that with Lamar, but Lamar's more of like a designed run guy. When Mahomes gets it, like when the play breaks down and he just starts running, it always feels like there's no one within 20 yards of him because they're all just so worried about what he's gonna do with the ball in his hands or uh, with you know the receivers kind of and the quick the quick throws he can get off gives them that trepidation to like from any angle but and then he gets on the open field and he's just he's a load to bring down so like you don't want to like you know kind of come at him too hard because he'll, he'll probably he'll lay a shoulder into you not quite to the extent of Josh Allen but he's a he's a physical guy as well so you know just to, he's the total package he's probably the most physically gifted quarterback I've ever seen. But then like, I also look at Josh Allen and it's like, you could make that case for him too. that touchdown. He threw, I think it was, I mean, it might've been one of Gabe Davis's four where it looked like they had, maybe they were letting the game get away from them a little bit. First play from scrimmage on that drive in the third or fourth, he just uncorks maybe the most effortless, like 80 yard or whatever touchdown it was uh, just gets behind the safeties. And it's just like out of nowhere. Like he's just, and that's def- what people don't realize his, his Achilles heel throughout his career leading up to really this year has been deep accuracy. He has not been a consistent deep thrower. He carves defenses up underneath and in the intermediate, like level two. But this year he's been electric throwing the ball deep. And that throw, like you said, was that's where the the party really got started in that game. It felt like it was just an unbelievable throw. Had Dawson Knox wide open underneath of that too. And was like, no, I'm just going to 
fucking launch this one and hit him right like per- perfect. That was like no doubt mile high miracle type stuff almost. Yeah, there were, it was just no doubt. And I mean, like it, yeah, it like it was it was fucking insane. Like the fourth down play, like. I, I don't know what it was, but yeah, I think it was like fourth and 13. And I just had a feeling like they were going to find a way. And Gabe Davis just jukes. I don't know if it was a uh, Charvarius Ward or like who completely out of his shoes guy falls down and just fourth and 13 Allen's running to his left and just kind of flicks it to him. Then they need a two point conversion. He does kind of a similar thing to Diggs. Like, yeah, I mean, that was just like, and you know, I love me some Lamar Jackson and I know a lot of fans were watching that game in the prism last night of like, Oh God, like, how does he compare with these guys? It's like, well, guys, like he does compare to them in, in you know, his own way for one thing. So you don't have to be in both of them. Yeah, he he doesn't. You, so don't be insecure about that. He's beaten both of them head to head. So like, let's not get too crazy. And but I mean, even like ignoring the context of that, it's just like watching that gave me an appreciation for these two guys. Like they are physically like yeah, I, I've never seen anything like that. Like Aaron Rodgers, maybe a little bit. And like, obviously Tom Brady is the goat and like Peyton Manning is like maybe the, the smartest quarterback you're ever going to see, but just like the physical ability on display. The talent. Yeah, exactly. And just like the physical and the mental thing, like games, just perfectly in sync in one game. Um, it was just an absolute joy to watch. Uh, I don't know, man. I like that was like you mentioned that can just be the Super Bowl. Well, it, it might just be because Kansas City gets by them in that game. I know Bengals fans are going to be pointing back to the fact that they just beat the Chiefs a couple weeks ago, but it feels like after a win like that, you're going to be in your house. It's going to be all rocking for a chance to go to the Super Bowl yet again, and the, the Bengals are coming off a game where, you know, they played admirably, but they kind of just squeaked by the Titans in Nashville. I mean, I uh, I, I'm, I, have, uh, I have a hard time seeing the Chiefs not going back to the Super Bowl for a third year in a row, fourth year in a row, um, which is, you know, kind of nuts to think about uh, considering where they were at. Uh, early on in the year, but uh, that's just that's Patrick Mahomes, baby. He's he's on his way to being the goat. I will take this opportunity to blow my own horn. I when everyone was lowest on the Chiefs, I knew this was going to happen. I said they would win out. They lost one game, and they are a wagon. They are the greatest trio. Their defense got solved. Melvin Ingram blowing through guys on that play. I mean. What Josh Allen had to do as well against their pass rush, like Joe Burrow, Joe Shiesty has that dagger ability in him, but Josh Allen was like red in the cheeks because he was having to sprint around their edges. And Burrow, I mean, I just think it's going to be talked about offensive line, blah, 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 whatever. But um, like you said, the talent in that game, unbelievable. Mahomes makes that crossbody throw. And I I just seriously can't get over Tyreek Hill, man. I, I can't. The fact that they've stayed as healthy as they are and have not diminished at all, and you're like, oh, well, Tyreek Hill's a speed. People are like, oh, Tyreek Hill's a speed guy. You know, that's going to go away. Well, it hasn't. And he's been doing this for like five straight years of just raining hellfire on DBs in the open field. The big thing to watch out for, I feel like, is Tyron Matthew, who didn't play in like 95% of that game, came out very early. Uh, I think that that is kind of the necessary force that you need to to be able to kind of maybe corral Jamar Chase in the open field and do some things. But it just was like, you know, they trade for Melvin Ingram. The experiment of them making a poor decision and kicking Chris Jones outside, they ended. They take state trooper Dan Sorensen and relegate him into a rotational player. Juan Thornhill comes in who made several plays in that game. And they're an unstoppable force, man. Uh, Yeah, like you said, you know, back-to-back-to-back Super Bowls. We'll see if that's uh, in the cards. The Bengals have that 
team of destiny kind of feel to them in a way and being a, t- a 10 win team 10 and 7 and grinding through the wild card and winning some close games and all that stuff but the the chiefs are the prestige man they're the the class of the NFL right now and a rams that Andy Reid Sean McVay matchup i mean we saw that once before um absolutely electric so i think that would be pretty good especially for the rams to play at sofi in the super bowl as well is uh, something that if the NFL can nudge, I think they absolutely would want to. And that matchup, I mean, two two offensive-minded kind of well-respected geniuses in their own right. And you hear, I think Kelsey saying, you know, it's it's or maybe Tyreek Hill said it's like having Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid is like Shaq and Kobe in terms of what you have in an offensive coaching staff. So, man, uh, crazy, 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 crazy game the box game insane great day of football and we 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 needed that we needed that you mentioned that and uh looking at these last four quarterbacks this is very much a uh, one of these things is not like the others and like i like jimmy g a lot and i you know i love shanny but like <laughs> let's 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 get maddie stafford into a super bowl here please like sean like let's figure this thing out let's get this guy a chance to uh to get oh and six against his uh, uh yeah former I, I'm I'm well aware. I'm well aware. Former boss. It's, it's time to it's time to reverse a trend here. You got him at home. I, everybody loves Jimmy G, but come on, let's figure out a way to be opportunistic on defense and capitalize on these mistakes that you know he's going to make at least one of. And let's let's get Matthew Stafford into a Super Bowl and give him a chance. Just give him a chance. That's all I want to see. It'll be tough versus Mahomes, but hey, listen, who was a uh, who was a you know. One of the comparisons that Mahomes drew coming to the league, Matthew Stafford. So I think that would be a very exciting, interesting, stylistic matchup. And that's that's what I want to see. Rams, Chiefs. Tons of superstars in that matchup. Um, one thought I have on the 49ers, like, D'Amico Ryans is doing some great things, but I, I, feel, I just feel like Kyle Shanahan, and again, I, I hate, like, the offensive coach. And, of course, it's D'Amico Ryans' defense. It was Salah's defense, whatever, but... Because Kyle Shanahan's an offensive-minded coach, when you listen to him in press conferences, the way the comments he makes about what happens defensively and their defensive personnel and things of that nature, like I feel like he is a good orator and like philosophical defensive coach as well. And I just love the implication that because a guy knows offense, that doesn't that means he doesn't know defense. Like he knows everything about defense because all he does is watch tape of defenses. Like it's like it doesn't make sense to me, and I, I think it's just crazy how good San Francisco's defense is, considering how bad their cornerbacks are. Uh, Josh Norman, I mean, played 800 snaps for them this year, is getting snaps in that game against the Packers, and what they did in terms of being able to kind of match and spot match uh, zone defenses and and kind of negate how weak their corners were was incredible. So D'Amico Ryan's, I mean, absolutely deserves the buzz he's getting. So. Wouldn't be shocked at all to see him get one of these jobs, but it's uh, it's going to be an interesting matchup, man. Divisional matchup against team, and then teams that already played pretty recently. So two teams that are relatively familiar with themselves and or with each other, pardon me. And uh, I don't know, it's going to be really fun, really fun championship weekend, and kind of not the four that we saw coming ultimately, uh, especially between the ex- as excluding the Chiefs. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, and uh, going back to the stylistic thing, it's a uh, Burrow. Like I mentioned, he's a little bit different where he is kind of a little bit more of a traditional pocket passer. He does have that mobility uh, that he utilizes here and there, but he's certainly not a Mahomes. He's more of a operate from the pocket, dicey up with his mind and uh, with his arm, um, as opposed to the volatile sort of insane 
Mad Max Fury Road bullshit we were seeing from Mahomes and Allen last weekend. So uh, that's interesting. It's interesting with, you know, Matthew Stafford being like the all the talent in the world guy that's never been able to put it together versus a Jimmy G who's kind of had to work his way up, um, you know, through Patriots camp. And he's he's played in a Super Bowl kind of against all odds a little bit. He's still sort of hanging on against all odds. Niners fans love Jimmy G. Hashtag extend Jimmy G. He's just he's really getting it from all angles. So kind of like he seems like a good dude. And like as much as I would prefer the Rams, it would kind of it would be nice if he were able to kind of maybe get one last shot at a ring here because like he'll probably get other opportunities. I have deja vu, vu of you saying that. I feel like you I feel like when they played the Chiefs and the 49ers played in the Super Bowl, you like had a sim- very similar spiel. Maybe. You like Jimmy G. I, I like him as a person. He's not my favorite quarterback to watch. Uh I don't know. I just think he's uh he seems like a cool dude. Like I I, I like yeah, there's you know, there's a lot of things about him that are maybe a little little strange that I, I wouldn't necessarily relate to, but uh, I think he's an interesting character. And uh the uh <laughs> the relationship with Tom Brady I think is funny. Like, you know, they're they're like friendly, but like apparently the thing that when Brady was like talking about like who he was going to sign with. And he's like, Oh, you're sticking with that motherfucker. And of course it turns out he was talking about Jimmy G that just leaked this past weekend. So it's just like, it's, it's a funny thing. And like, yeah, he seems like a good dude. And like this just, this does to me kind of feel like his last best shot. Like it feels like kind of no matter what happens, they're sort of obligated to flip it over to Trey Lance. So I maybe he'll find like a bridge quarterback spot next year, but it just feels like the league is moving towards younger, more kind of athletic game breaking options as opposed to guys like him. So it will be a nice storyline, I think. And I, and Definitely. I love I, ju- I just think that the probably the most underrated aspect of him, and you can hear him when he's in his cadence, you know, getting guys set, moving tight ends around, um, doing all those things. And in a Shanahan offense that uses so many resets, so much motion, is, you know, somewhat, you know, somewhat similar in Roman's offense, you know, a, a thousand ways to, a million ways to skin a cat, running these rushing concepts and making them arrange differently. There's, it's, it's an orchestrator of it and watching the Manning cast this entire year. And now listening to Drew Brees do a couple of games over the past couple of weeks, it's just consistently how these high level quarterbacks that are in the, the commentating game. Now, Peyton, Eli drew the way they talk, the admiration that they have for the chess match of calling the run game at the line of scrimmage. You have to think that is why Jimmy G is the starter is the guy they, that Shanahan stuck with. And knowing how dedicated Shanahan is to the run game, how creative he is, blah, 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 blah. There's just so many instances. So I encourage you to kind of watch what Jimmy does. As an audience, I encourage you to listen and watch what Jimmy does pre-snap in the run game, the way he arranges things to, to attack a weak side run or to move someone around. And it feels like that is the valuable knowledge that Trey Lance is going to get and then be able to execute through a full off season after getting his toes wet a little bit. So um, I think that is where the great value for Jimmy G in Kyle Shanahan's offense comes. I think that's why there were all those rumors that he wanted Mac Jones, which probably feel like they were somewhat true. And there's a little bit of a division between John Lynch and him. Let's do, tr- let's get Trey Lance versus let's get Mac Jones. Uh, Mac Jones, you know, gets that same moniker. And that doesn't mean that Trey Lance can't do that. But in Shanahan's offense, there's is a, a maestro of a quarterback. So that's what, I think Jimmy G brings to Kyle Shanahan's offense, but the mistakes are obviously prevalent. Uh, it was crazy to see him lead that game-winning drive and hit a couple big throws late there, drive them down the field. Robbie Good as Gould kicks it in, and here we are, man. 49ers in the NFC Championship. Um, don't think a ton of people had that one happening, and don't think anyone really had the Bengals. I got. I remember getting ostracized 
a little bit for saying I thought the Bengals would be like a seven-win team and watch out for that defense a little bit. And to segue a little bit into, into what the Ravens need to do this offseason, take some hints. I mean, they they went out, they bought a defense, they've raised that offense, they signed Riley Reef, who they don't have anymore, but they kind of got that offensive line in a good spot until he went down. So uh, it kind of seems like their philosophy in terms of how to build a roster is not terribly different. Buy the defense, draft the offense, and that's who the Ravens are going to have. The Ravens were the apex predator in the AFC North the last couple of years where you know, we see teams in that division drafting and signing players in order to shut down this offense. And the Ravens end up going one and five in the division this year. Well, Lamar did miss a few of those games, but it's on the Ravens now to, to play with the Bengals. I mean, the Bengals are, they have a one metric poop load of cap space. They have a full slate of draft picks. Um, they have a cheap quarterback relatively for the next couple of years. So they're the top dog, man. I mean, I think they proved it this year through and through, and they're only going to get better. I mean, Joe Burrow's coming off of that ACL. Jamar Chase is a freaking rookie, and Ravens need to, to figure out a plan, and I think that is is finding a playmaker. And, and maybe, you know, again, I kind of have a moratorium on trading up, but I've yet to really watch to study Kyle Hamilton, but if he's there, man, I mean, maybe that's what you need to play against a Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow team. Maybe you need that freak that six foot four, four four running, forty inch jumping, smart, versatile playmaker on the back end. Even just take uh, away a CJ Uzama on his own, and like you know, give those guys like you know the carte blanche to like cover those other guys in their own way. Because like they they they've got fucking guys at the wazoo. They can get like Mixon coming out of the backfield. Like they're they're in a they're in a very good spot offensively. Like it's it is. They just need scary. to add a little bit of talent to that offensive line. They're not that far away. They've they've got some guys in the works. Jackson Carmen was a nice guard for them in his rookie year. Jonah Williams is a solid left tackle. You know, they've got it all. Um, so that's the team to beat now. We're watching the Steelers, how they'll transition. You know, the Browns are in a weird spot with Baker. I'm sure they're gonna have a chip on their shoulder, but we definitely don't trust them as an organization to, you know, steadily get things right for a long period of time. So that's what it's going to be. Beat the Bengals. Uh, they, they swept you pretty handedly, and time to time to respond. So um, I'm curious about that one, and I know that there's a lot of probable jealousy from Ravens fans watching them kind of just go from worst to first, and Joe Burrow go absolutely astronomically out of the park in this year, and uh, really, you know, wouldn't be surprised to see him get an MVP vote or two or five. So. Got to got to gear up to beat these Bengals. We'll see how it plays out, but yeah, um, we got Deuce ten forty two. This playoffs was a sobering realization that most of these teams have better football players than the Ravens, especially on offense. Yeah, um, I'm I'm in a real weird spot with Hollywood Brown, man. I, I that is like the most difficult question for me. I I really like some of the things he can do. I really am uncomfortable with kind of how tiny he is. He is not Tyreek Hill. No one is. Um, it's 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 a weird spot to be in with him. Uh, I think you and I are going to be very high on Rashad Bateman to rebound and continue to grow. I mean, runs 4-3, got the moves like Jagger, and big enough body. So, again, look at T. Higgins, man. I think that's the type of body that the Ravens are missing in that receiving core. Plus, no J.K. Dobbins this year, no Gus Edwards, so we'll see. Uh, Mark Andrews is a dog. But yeah, the Ravens need to add some some high end talent, and they're in a weird spot. We'll get into that more, but they're just at a weird spot. Look at the Chiefs and the Bills, man. Allen and Mahomes are about to have fifty and forty five million dollar cap hits soon. 
Chiefs and the Bills are going to be a little bit tighter, it feels like, um, as those guys grow. But the Ravens might have an opportunity to, to be able to make Lamar Jackson cheap as those cap hits are swelling for those two kind of juggernauts in the AFC and get an influx of talent if they can uh, go out and buy it. So a weird spot, but exciting weekend of football. I'm excited for this championship round. It would be insane to watch the Bengals play in the Super Bowl. Um, their defense has been slept on kind of this entire year. And I'll, I'll digress on the Bengals conversation by saying, again, look at what the Titans did and how they limited them. It's it's being able to have a really healthy balance of what you can do on the back end in terms of open and close coverages, being able to, to go into a too, too high shell and then roll down into a robber coverage and have a rat and things like that. So uh, I, I look to the Ravens to be able to take that Titans defense as what they want coming out of this Wink Martindale era. And I think that's the best way to compete with the Bengals is going to be four-man rush, five-man rush, simming pressure, and mixing it up on the back end very headily and with with intelligence. So it's going to be a, a long road to get there. It's tough, man. Bengals are just going to keep getting better. Yeah, they are. So, uh, you know, it is, it is going to be all hands on deck. Um, you know, I, I don't think they're necessarily as far off as I'm seeing in the comments. You know, they do have a, they do have Mark Andrews, who I think is, you know, I, I know what we saw from Kelsey last night, but I still think Mark Andrews is either, you know, the first or second best tight end in football right now. Um, Rashad Bateman, weirdly, like watching Cooper Cup this this past weekend, I was like, Rashad Bateman kind of looks like him a little bit. He's a little more like twitched up and sudden, whereas Cooper Cup's a little bit smoother. But I feel like that's kind of maybe could be a good role for him. You've made the digs comparison, which I think is good as well. So, uh, yeah, I love his, his ability to continue to grow. Hollywood Brown is just not, not powerful enough. Um, he's, that's like why he's not quite Tyreek Hill. Who's just an absolute bowling ball. He isn't that, but I still like him. His a lot. contact balance is insane. You can just tell that Tyreek Hill is a running back. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. At heart. It's just, yeah, it's, it's different mindsets and different body types, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's that, but he's still, he's still a very good player, I think. So hanging on to him for at least the next two years, uh, could be, could be a, a good strategy to take. Um, but yeah, keep, keep investing on offense. That's what I've been saying. I think, uh, I think that's just the way that the league is going and, uh, we'll see what they do. I mean, obviously they're going to want to rebuild the defense and we'll see what happens. And, uh, there's plenty of time to talk about what goes on at 14, what they could do. And, uh, this is kind of the last thing we wrote down is they could sign a guy like Antonio Brown who wants to come and play in Baltimore. I mean, we've never talked about this on the podcast before as a possibility, that would be a huge move to go and get a playmaker like that who would fit in great with this locker room, just great chemistry. You got to think him and John Harbaugh would hit it off just fucking gangbusters. So I think that's a move that they really need to be looking into. Antonio Brown to the Ravens said he wants to come play with Lamar Jackson. And uh, to his credit, Lamar actually responded with the little uh, purple guy emoji. So I'm, I'm shocked we didn't end that with a synth or with a toxicity. <laughs> Exactly. So I just, no, I'm not frustrated. <laughs> I love AB in fantasy, man. I love, I love how cheap he is. I uh, got a little scorned by him just a little bit this year because of the ankle injury, but it's just insane. It's insane. He's a top 10 wide receiver. I think still today when you, when you watch him one-on-one, -on -one, he is a top 10 wide receiver on the football field when he is activated. Um, those comments, Lamar Jackson, plays right into it, just clean as a whistle right after. 
Uh, yeah, that, that was that was fucking, that was just batting practice. Like he he probably saw that Lamar was on Twitter. He's like, oh, I'm gonna like find a way to get this out there right then. So he quote tweets it and just he's just gonna drive Jake up a fucking wall. That's what we're trying to do here today, and it, it worked. He's a mastermind, like you've been alluding to for years. He truly is. That's why him and Kanye are hanging out. They're the two best marketers oh, that exist. God. They're the any any press is good press geniuses. And you find them in a room with Floyd Mayweather, the same deal, the the money man. Those are the three best marketers of our time. Yeah, as much as you hate it, they they it, they yield results. Yeah, there's a lot I can say about you know the, the, this country and the state of it. You know, with good press, you know, all press being good press and that kind of stuff right now that I'm not going to get into. But it's just it's no. The the answer is no. Let's just move on. Let's. See, I mean, and we can talk about it right now, but that's just that's. That's my thoughts on it because he is. In it, it never works out. It like it worked it's out for one season with Tom Brady he, for a Super Bowl, those, despite everything, and it, it just. I mean, I don't know. The last four places that he's been, what's happened? Four teams. He has found a way to get himself kicked out, like or whatever it might be. Like he's found a way to just completely just. Just nuclear annihilation in every single place that he's been in the last. He's been year. right every time. John Gruden he, okay, was, he was a racist. Listen, okay, okay, he was not right about John Gruden. Okay, John Gruden. John Gruden. You know, turned out to be kind of a, a shithead for other reasons than what he was claiming. He. They, this was not. He said John Gruden and Mike Mayock. He said they're racist. He said that about Burn. Mayock. He called Mayock uh, the C, the white C word, not the C word that you might be thinking of. Um, which I don't know if I'm allowed to say, so I'm not going to say it. But. You know, he he says that about Mayock, and then Gruden, I think he just, you know, said was, said was like not a good coach, not a good leader. He leaked that like voicemail of him. He was right about Big Ben, but we all knew that anyway. Like, okay, he, he called he called Big Ben a, a shithead. Like, cool, great, yeah, great call there, Antonio. The Bucks send Tristan Wirfs. He was back not right in. about. He was he not now, right about Tristan. Juju. Tristan Wirfs now needs major surgery. He called Juju a, like a dork or something, which like, yeah, Juju said a Juju shit pooster. Sure. And like, whatever. And we all have our fun with Juju, but like, you know, Juju's actually a good dude. Antonio Brown is an unhinged maniac. He goes to New England. The sex stuff leaks when we're fucking interviewing Will Brinson and he has to like hop off in the middle of that interview and boo boo Schuster. Yeah. Like, it just th that happens. The New England thing, the one game that he plays for the Patriots, which, you know, Bill Belichick eats your heart out with your integrity there. Great job. And then this Buccaneers thing, how do they think it was going to end? Of course it ends that way. And yeah, he was right. Sure. But then you watch him on that stupid fucking Bob Menery podcast. And you like, did that seem like a really like well put together human being who had all this foresight and knew exactly what he was doing? Not to me. I, I will go to my grave. AB plotted everything out to get away from the Steelers and to Tom Brady. And then uh, just a little, England. just a little thing with you know sexual assault allegations. Exactly. Kind of that to, that was the fucked up part. That was the part where he went awry and ruined it all. And he's a bad person. I'm not denying that at all. But aside from that, everything that he's done has been utter genius. Aside from that, he has been. For what though? Like, what does he want out of life? Does he want to win a ring? Because he's never done that. Yes, he did. He when? just won a ring. Oh yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> That's the funniest part is that he did it, got there. That doesn't feel like incredible, a real ring to me. And won a Super Bowl. That's the funniest part of the entire thing. That is that is the 
that is the viva la resistance of the entire movement. And we got in the comment, I mean, Calvin Ridley once out of Atlanta. Well, guess where Calvin Ridley's from? Broward County. Guess where Antonio Brown's from? Broward County. Guess where Marquise Brown is from? Broward County. Tyler Huntley, Lamar, the Broward County Ravens. Again, one of these things is not like the other. Um, one of them is a Hall of Famer. Sure. Great player. Second, Calvin third, Ridley might be, be like a, a third ballot Hall of Famer. That's what the, the writers will be like. No. Yeah, this will be, this is, a, just a, this is shaping up for 10, 15 years from now. We're going to have forgotten about all this. And Peter King is going to be sitting there drinking an Allagash White talking about how he's. Oh, actually, no, Peter King actually came out in defense of a. Who was it? Jamie Sharper uh, saying, you know, his. Uh, Darren Sharper. Darren Sharper and his. Uh, his. Uh, you know, potential sexual impropriety didn't matter at all, and he was going to vote him into the Hall of Fame, he, like either way, which is very a very Revelian moment for uh, for Peter King there. Uh, maybe I didn't even a, know that happened. I don't remember that. It was yeah, it was it was very very weird hill for him to die on, and he just kind of climbed on it out of his own volition and just started firing down on people. So I don't know what that was all about, Peter King, but it's, yeah, it's going to happen. He's going to be, and then he's going to be campaigning to get in the Hall of Fame. He's going to be having this like weird like. It's okay, Tio. We've already watched this. He's Terrell Owens. He's Terrell Owens with like two He's weird, he is actually Terrell messed up Owens. sexual weird things that happened. Yeah, like he's he's throwing bags of dicks at cops and like screaming and arguing with his bags wife. Bags of dicks. Fucking fighting with like these delivery drivers and getting into fights with parking attendants. Chef, he's stiffing his chef. Yeah, probably a bad person. Definitely. I'm gonna make an this. I'm gonna make the Joaquin Phoenix and the master comparison for him, and I'm but just also gonna... probably a top ten wide receiver. Of course, he, of course he is. Of course he is. The I mean I don't know, man. I just I don't know. I don't he was know this do. year. If you he... can't if if Tom Brady in the end if Antonio is peak Florida man. Ben Rose in the comments. I I couldn't agree more there. That's that summarizes it quite well. He is Antonio is the Florida man Brown. I don't. It's just I don't know the. The Ravens aren't going to do it strictly because the D word and the 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 D word, anything domestic abuse, he's got, he's got violence, a D word assault, and an, and an S word, S word, sexual assault, domestic violence. Yeah, 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 yeah. S A D any any of those is, is we've heard directly from Steve Bashotti that's that's not happening. That's yeah. not happening. It's not. So like that's kind of where the that's maybe where my frustration lies the most. It's like, I don't really care. Like if he wants to say this stuff, it's fine. I just see all the spec, all the eye emojis and stuff. I'm just like, guys, like it, it isn't going to happen. Like, let's, let's just be real here. But it could, it isn't, but it could. That's the best way to put it. I could marry Hillary Duff. That's true. That's true. You could. And I love that Hillary Duff is your. I love that. I love that Hillary Duff is where your mind goes too. That that gave me a lot of insight. I've that that answered a lot of questions. She was she was number one for me for a long time. And then I kind of forgot she's, about she's, her. She's up there again. Hillary then Duff. She, then she came back, and now she's doing this "How I Met Your Father" show. So that's probably where I, that came from. I forgot about that. Yeah, I'll really? watch. I'll watch that. It's, it's getting mixed reviews, but maybe I'll check it out. I'll check it out. Well, we uh, hope you guys enjoyed checking this episode out. Much has gone on. A very fun episode, I think. Jake with a angry, smitten smile on his face. Uh, we had a we had a lot of fun with this one. This is a good one. I, I enjoyed this thoroughly, and I'm excited for these conference championship games. I'm excited to see Antonio Brown 
in Baltimore, but not as a Raven. I think I, we're we're gonna see Antonio Brown like move to Baltimore, but they won't sign him. No, there no. <laughs> Jake just shakes his head and says, what, "What's he gonna no. do? He's gonna move into a house in fucking Columbia and like you know get a nice like little front yard. He's gonna go to O's games over the summer and." What are the what are the what are you putting the odds of Antonio Brown taking a picture at like Azumi at the Inner Harbor being or like Jimmy Seafood being in the next six months? I'm gonna go like plus three fifteen. He would not spend more than twenty four hours here. The Instagram model kind of pool is not nearly big enough for him. Haircut to beards. Yeah. This is the first time in a while your beard has been, I think, more girthy than mine. It's been yeah, a long right. time. You had a real monster back in the day. Yeah, I'm grooming it. I'm still grooming it down, but I'm letting it go a little bit. It's kind of, it's been a, a little extra cold here in this January. So we're, we're riding it out and it feels good. It's, uh, I was talking about it the other day. It would have been a great playoff beard. Would have been Thanks, a great Ravens. playoff beard. I, uh, yeah, I had a ripper on for a while and uh, now I'm just, you got to get, get back, back to, uh, using... you got to get back to the, the Spen Roethlisberger. The, the real mountain man, the real mountain man. I, I'm heading out uh, out west to do some skiing in March. We'll we'll grow it back out. I'm supposed to go. AJC to LA Senior here. Last comment, I guess, relevant before we get out of here. We've got plenty of good receivers. Harbs is already not letting get the ball, and that's the beauty. And that's why I'll digress before we have an, an episode where we get into Greg Roman dichotomy or whatever. Ultimately, but John Harbaugh wants to run the football. He always has. He always will. He is one of those coaches who thinks the run game and a strong play action game is the way to win. When Joe Flacco is here, that's what it was with Lamar Jackson. That's what it was, what it is. They had Anquan Bolden, Torrey Smith, Dennis Pitta, Jacoby Jones. And guess what they love to do? Run the football and run play action off of it and push the ball deep. So I think that is peak Harbaugh football. I think that is why Harbaugh and Roman align. Jonas Schaefer going on 105.7 and saying from, from everything he feels that Roman is is going to stick around, and uh, I don't think it'll be for longer. I think by this time next year is the absolute longest we'll see Greg Roman in Baltimore. But I think this is a good opportunity to keep one side. And, and now that I say this, I said about Wink, and maybe this is the, the straw that is the camel's back, and I'm just completely wrong again. But build up that side of the ball. You have your short-term plan. Get these guys back. Get healthy. Build your offensive line. Figure out who is going to take over for Greg Roman in the next 365 days. Who is it? What is the plan? Is it James Urban? Is it someone from the outside? F keep filling out that side of the ball. Bring in new coaches. Bring in some somewhat experienced coaches. Everybody loved Williams and Martin as hires. You can graduate them into more responsibility if you want, maybe even against Greg Roman's will a little, something, who knows, whatever. But you've got 365 days by my count. My estimation to figure it out, what the long-term plan for what this offense is going to be is, and under John Harbaugh, I promise you, is going to involve running the ball and throwing play action off of it. So that's, like that. my, that's my that's my thoughts as things are. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see Roman gone in the next month. I wouldn't be shocked to see him fired halfway through the season. I thought he was going to get, this time last year, for as much as everyone loves to rail on me on the annals of Twitter, the annals of Twitter. Annals, annals. I'm just going to keep saying annals of Twitter. I said last year, if the offense struggled, he's going to get fired. And he didn't when they did struggle. So anything could happen with Greg Roman. Who knows? But it feels like Harbaugh is in alignment with wanting to run the ball, play action. It feels like they have all the excuses with how many injuries there were on offense. So just get it right by this time next year. 
get Lamar Jackson's contract, you know, tight and and ready to go at some point um, or whatever the plan is going to be. Have have the plan in place for the short term, get healthy, build the offensive line, have the plan in long term. Who is going to be the offensive coordinator moving into the second segment of the Lamar Jackson era, the post rookie contract, Lamar Jackson, which he's he's heading into with this fifth year, which is, you know, an extension of that rookie contract. So I, I give the Ravens a one year timeline to get it right. And who knows? I mean, I'm not shocked either for this to be Harbaugh's last year in Baltimore if, if things don't go well. It's been here a long time. It's not the fresh, giant suit-wearing, you know, 2000s, uh, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed coach that he was coming from Philly when they hired him, getting into a Lincoln Town car after introducing himself to Jamison Hensley and the boys, Aaron Wilson. But, you know, been here a long time, done a lot of great things, haven't won much, you know, in terms of Super Bowls or AFC championships lately, and the pressure's on. I mean, if if what Bank says and seems to be true with a firing coming out of it and mutually parting ways, but a firing and a lot of uncertainty, Ronnie Stanley's contract, all these things, I mean, they, they're sneakily rebuilding right now, like it feels like, but they just have the quarterback to be able to win still. And that's what happened with Joe Flacco. They underwent a rebuild. Joe did have some injuries, but was still good enough to make them competitive ultimately. And Lamar Jackson, I think, is a little bit more overall of a force multiplier than Joe Flacco at the very least. Uh, is is going to win you more games. So at the end of the day, a little bit of a rebuild going on. It is. And yeah, I, I would not disagree with any of what you just said. So it's going to be interesting to watch. And it all starts with this offseason. But we still have a couple more weeks to go of football. Uh before I get us out of here, anything else? Nothing, but we're going to be using uh, some some smooth as F, smooth as beep, in these beards as we get them going. I'm, I'm going to meet with my buddy Sam to uh, establish some plans to help him get up and going, but you can find that at smoothasfshaving.com, smooth smoothafshaving.com. And go get yourself a bottle. It's for ladies. It's for gentlemen. It's for beards. It's for legs. It's for clean shaving. It is a hair conditioner, all that good stuff. Smoothafshaving.com. Not an official sponsor yet, but but we're working on it. And I would highly recommend it. Just use it for the first time. Getting Jake a bottle here soon. And would highly recommend. And with that, I yield. Absolutely. Check all that out. uh, And uh, hopefully it will be made official soon. But uh, until then, give it a look. Uh, appreciate you guys listening uh, tonight or in the morning, whenever you chose to. We'll be back later in the week with another episode, maybe doing a little preview, maybe getting a guest in the mix. Um, stand by on that. Uh, but we will certainly see. Uh, until then, thanks for listening. Uh, follow us on social if you haven't already. Check us out on Twitter at Podcast Beatdown. I am at Jake Luke. That is L O U Q U E. Spencer is at Ravens for Dummies. That's the number four in the middle there. And uh, until next time. See ya. Arrivederci. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Get, get, get them. What are they giving? Everything out of me. They're going to get a Super Bowl out of me. I need that.